Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Are you guys excited? It's going to be a good one today. It's going to come today. It's going to be good. Um, I really feel like this, I'm, the whole month we're talking on connection, and uh, it was maybe th- three weeks ago, four weeks ago, uh, the word just, uh, a word that the Lord dropped in my spirit was unity. And so I felt like in Katie's like time off of connection, I thought I would talk on unity. And I'm really excited about it. This, this sermon is really a family message, even though it applies to a broader uh, place, but I think it's a really good family message for this house. So I want to talk on cultivating unity. Uh, In first, uh, oh, you know what? We're going to need someone back there. See, Rebecca's not here. So thank you, Destiny. You know what? It's in the Dropbox. Forget it. You're just going to have to pull up your Bibles today, people. All right. You still know how to use it? Good, good. So today, like I said, I wanted to talk about cultivating unity. And I really feel like this is a message for the house. But in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as, in fact, you are doing. I love that. He's saying, build each other up, but you are doing it. And so I believe that that's, that's what this house is. I believe that we do have a house of unity. I think we have a house of validation and encouragement. But just like Paul, is, he's emboldening them to do it more. He's reinforcing that truth again. Build each other up. Encourage one another, just as, in fact, you are doing Cultivating unity is a continual process, not just a once-and-done action. How many of you know if you let the garden go for a little bit of time, the weeds come really quickly, right? How many of you, like, I was just out there? I wasn't just out there, but I know the concept of it, right? (laughs) Yeah, what garden? The garden of my soul. All right. (laughs) So... You go out there, you get all the stuff, and not long after, well, I can relate to this. I go out in the summer. I thought I just mowed this, right? I thought I just, no, you got to mow it all the time, you know? And there are some weeks where you're like, man, this might need a double job, you know? So cultivation is not just a once-and-done action. In the same way, cultivating unity is a continuous process, Unity is not the result of happenstance, chance, or not by accident or surprise. Unity is something that requires cultivation. And cultivation is really just a nice way of saying it takes effort and it takes work. And it takes intentionality. What is intentionality? It is doing things on purpose. 
Now, there are moments in the spirit where, like today, wasn't there a sense of unity in the house today, just, from the, just in worship? So there are moments of that, right? And how many of you know you can meet a, an acquaintance and there can be such a strong sense of unity? What, you like that? I like that. You love barbecue? I love barbecue. We are just the best of friends. So a lot of times, right, it can be just an acquaintance. But the thing that I'm talking about today is encouraging and developing unity with people that you do life with. People that we have consistent interaction with. And that could be moment to moment, like your children, right? It's a moment to moment thing. Sometimes it's a daily thing. Sometimes it's a weekly thing. But people that you have consistent interaction with. What is the value of unity? You won't be intentional about something, meaning doing things on purpose. You won't be intentional about something unless you place value on it. So if we're going to be intentional about unity, doing it on purpose, developing it, cultivating it, we have to place value on it. And so what I want to do is in the first part of this sermon is to give the value or what value does the word of God place on unity, all right? It was funny because I told my dad this week, I said, I think I'm gonna preach on unity. And he goes, oh, Psalms 133. I was like, you know that verse too? <laughs> you know, sometimes like when you find things in the Bible, you're like, I found this all by myself. <laughs> Not really, but you're like, you know that too? <laughs> And on the top of the thing, a psalm of unity, right? All right, Psalms 133.1. Say with me, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Wow. I love how this verse starts, behold. And that word is used to point something out. So what is it saying? He's saying, uh, the psalmist is saying, hey, come look at this. Come check this out. You know, there was this video on YouTube a long time ago, and all the guys said, he, this guy was going to look at a car, and, you know, it's kind of like a hidden camera thing. And he goes and looks at this car, and all he says to the person trying to sell him the car is, would you just look at this? That's all he says the whole time. <laughs> And he, he'll be pointing at the tires. Would you just look at this? Would you look at this? Obviously, it was funnier when I saw it. But, <laughs> but my whole point in saying this, 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 you had to be there, right? This whole verse, this whole verse starts out with, come look at this. Come see this. And what does it say? Come look at how good and how pleasant it is. For brethren to dwell together in unity. How good and how pleasant. Good means to be agreeable to the senses. What does that mean? Have you ever, like, what are your senses? To smell, to taste, to touch, right? So have you ever walked into a house that has candles or they're making a pie? And you're like, this agrees with my senses. <laughs> how, you know, some people don't like massages, but some people do. That's agreeable to the senses. This one's for my wife. Sitting on the beach, is that agreeable to your senses? Amen, right? So it means agreeable to the senses. It means excellent of its kind. 
It means valuable. It means appropriate, becoming, happy, prosperous. It means right. So it's not just good, it's right. So let's put these words in it. Behold how profitable it is. How excellent it is. How valuable it is. And then it goes on to say, how good and how pleasant. Now, these words are similar, but they have a little different connotation. Pleasant means delightful, sweet, and lovely. How many of you know there's things that are good for you, and then there are things that are sweet? So what is this verse saying? Unity with the brethren is not only good for you, but it's sweet. Let's take it like this. If we could gather all the vegetables, the things that are good for us, right? And we could assign whatever dessert flavor you want to those vegetables. That is what it's saying in this verse. Behold, look at this, look at this. How good, how profitable, how valuable, how excellent, how good for you. And also how sweet, how delightful, how lovely. Come on now. There's not too many things that you can do that are not only good for you, but they taste amazing. And what is this verse saying? Behold, how good and how sweet. Come on. So unity is not only prosperous, but it's delightful. It's not only right and valuable, it's also sweet. So let's go back to that verse again. It says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, who, are, who is our brethren? Yeah. So brethren in the Hebrew means brother, relative, kinship, same tribe. So we're talking about family, right? But it also means a reciprocal relationship. Basically, what that means is a relationship that is shared, felt, or shown by both sides, mutually corresponding. Now think about this. What is our core value of covenant? Is the exchange of life between one another, our brethren. It also means, in a figurative sense, of resemblance. Has anybody ever said, you look, I know, I've heard it, you look like your dad. Right? Or some of you be like, you sound like your dad, or you sound like your mom, or this, right? It's a resemblance, right? And so part of that is DNA, but part of that is cultivation and nurturing, Right? So in a broad sense, as Christians, we are being conformed to the same image. What is that image? The image of Christ. So who is our brethren? People of resemblance. Come on. So brethren is referring to our connection through our faith and grace in Jesus Christ. So in a local sense, we also begin to resemble the people that we're connected to. This whole month is on connection. So who are we responsible to be in unity with? Because 
let's be honest. It's very difficult, or I would say impossible, to be in unity with every person on the face of this earth. So who are we responsible to be in unity with? I would suggest it's those that we're connected to. And the deeper and more intimate a connection is, the greater level of unity is required. Um, I'll probably talk about this a little bit later. So our brethren is our brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay? Now how how much connection do we have with every believer on the face of this earth? Not some more than others, right? And so I would say to have a spirit of unity, just an example would be not name-calling other people in the body of Christ. See how that's a broader sense? But in, in a more local sense, those that we're doing life with, there's a, there has to be a deeper and more intimate expression of unity. Does this make sense? Amos 3.3, can two walk together unless they agreed? Agreed means to fix, upon an, to fix upon by agreement. So what are they saying? This is our destination, okay? They're fixing upon something. They're, they're, they're setting a target. So can two walk together unless they are agreed? Amos 3.3, Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction that's out of the new living? So if we're walking together, we should be walking in the same direction. We should be aiming for the same outcome. There wouldn't be much connection unless there was an agreement. I don't know if you know this, but my dad and and, um, Raymond walk every Thursday, right? That's the day that we're not allowed to ask Pap anything. Okay, Uh, (laughs) he's like, yeah, they try to walk, right? And so, and they usually end up uh, Dunkin' Donuts, yeah. So they're agreeing, they're agreeing on the destination, right? Hey. That's not an exclusive club if you want to walk. I've been invited many times. I've been invited many times. I'm always real busy. <laughs> so there wouldn't be much connection unless there was agreement. So if they weren't in agreement, they'd be walking on different paths. Right? So the fact that they're going in the same direction promotes connection, promotes fellowship, promotes vulnerability. I know when I was a kid, well, I don't know. I just remember going, driving places, long distances with my dad. And I don't know if it's just our personality, but we could go long, long distances without any utterance of communication whatsoever. Uh, I don't know. I, I felt fine with that. Um, my, my wife doesn't like that. But... Uh, it was the best trip. We bonded so great. So obviously, if you're walking together, you're communicating, right? You're fellowshipping, right? They hope so. Well, this has been going on for a while, right? All right. This is why it's really important to know the values and the vision in the heart of this house. 
to know what we're aiming at. I'll say that again. That's why it's really important to know the values, the vision, and the heart of this house so that we know where we're aiming. These things are fixing us upon a target. And what is that target? Ultimately, the target is a healthy church on the individual level as well as the collective level. These things will inform you on the type of family culture we're trying to develop. So um, I preached probably three sermons on the core values. They're actually on our core value page, so I encourage you to listen to that. I know Laura went back and listened to it again. Uh, it's all, we're, we're talking about it all, time, all the time. You could go on our website and look at these things because what we're doing is we're trying to paint a target and saying this is what we're aiming for. This is the type of culture and family that we want to be. Why is unity of the brethren so important? Basically, why is it valuable? Psalms 133.1 Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. So on a personal level, it's good and it's pleasant. Okay? Are you guys with me? Are you guys getting nervous about something because I'm talking about? Well, maybe you should because now no, I'm just joking. All right, so on a personal level, it's good and it's pleasant. But on a kingdom level, on a church family level, the unity of the brethren is a testimony to the world. What does it say? Behold, come look at this. Come look at this. We've actually written a song that kind of alludes to this. Let it rise to the heavens and wave after wave. Let it flood every valley and wave after wave. What is that talking about? It's talking about our praise going forth. And then what's the next line? Let our love for one another be the sound that resonates. Above these songs that we're singing, above the worship set, above everything else, let the thing that resonates, let the thing that people hear, let that be our love for one another. That's really the heart of this house. And then it finishes with, unify us now as we praise. Unify our hearts. Let our hearts be bonded and tied together as we lift up one voice to our King. Romans 15, 5, 6. May God, who gives this Patience and encouragement help us live in complete harmony with each other, as, as, as is fitting for followers of, followers of Christ. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Then all of you can join together in one voice as we're in harmony together. Does this make sense? So what are the benefits of unity? One, it's good. It's good for you. That's a good way to remember it. It's good for you. Your vegetables, people. Your, your cabbage and your kale. But it's sweet. Cookies and ice cream. <laughs> 
and tasty cakes. And zebra cakes. I don't know. Yeah. Travis always amazed me. He would eat these zebra cakes, and I, they were just too much. One was too much. So they're not only, unity is not only good, but it's sweet. But what else does it do? It's a testimony to the world. But this is where this verse or this psalm gets really good. It's at the end, Psalm 33, 3. It is like, speaking of unity, it is like the dew of Hermon uh, descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there, where is there? There in unity, the brethren in unity. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. So this verse reveals two vital truths. First one is God commands his blessing where believers live together in unity. Why is it good? Why is it pleasant? Because God actually commands his blessing in that environment. You want to have a blessed environment? Create unity where you're at. And that's not just in this body. That's in your home. That's in your workplace, right? If you want to have a blessed environment, unity is good and it's sweet. And guess what? It's a testimony. So the other thing this verse tells us is living together in unity is a foretaste of heaven. This is where it gets good. <laughs> so there's a reality of unity in heaven that we have yet to taste here on earth. There is a reality of unity in heaven that we have yet to taste here on earth. What did Jesus, how did Jesus teach us to pray? Matthew 6, 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If it's in heaven, then we can taste it on earth. And we've heard this, this, this truth over and over again, but a lot of times we just place it on, that's for healing, right? That's for deliverance. That's for signs and wonders. Oh, that's for the prosperity of the soul, mind, and spirit. But guess what? There's a taste of unity that we can taste here on earth because it's in heaven, How many of you know that if you believe for signs and wonders, we have the faith to see signs and wonders? If we have faith for deliverance, we have the ability to actually see deliverance. If we have faith for unity, we will see a level of unity that hasn't been tasted here on earth. Behold, what is that saying? Come look and see how good and how pleasant it is. Can you see how this is a real word for our body? If we're going to touch our area, if we're going to touch the world, what do we want people, what do we want them to, what, what is the sound that we want to resonate? Our love for one another. Come on. And that's a testimony, isn't it? And actually, it's things that we're experiencing because I know that whenever we have people come over and get prophetic words or they're visiting, they always, uh, you know, express the love that they feel in this house. That's the thing that sticks out. So God guarantees to place his blessing upon those who live in unity together. That's right, but you got to choose it. 
You got to choose unity. It's not just by happenstance. It's not just by chance or accident or surprise. Whoa, we're in unity. What a surprise. But it's by cultivation. It's by developing it. Being, an, being intentional with our actions. Ephesians 4.3. Make every effort, say make every effort, to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace. In the Amplified, it says each individual working together to make the whole successful. That goes back to our core value of covenant. Each of us exchanging the life that we have. How does life flow in a kingdom culture? That's one of the points in, in one of the sermons, but it comes from the source of life, right? A never-ending source. And then when he pours himself out upon us, he does it to overflowing. And from that overflow... Then we extend that, it says comfort in that verse, but we extend that comfort to those that we've been comforted by. Good stuff, huh? Make every effort to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Each individual working together to make the whole successful. So the foundation for all Christian unity is in our connection to one Spirit. Where does Christian unity begin? What is the foundation of it? the Spirit of God, okay? But for that reality to be experienced, it needs to start with someone expressing it. On earth as it is in heaven. Isn't this true for every reality of heaven? It requires expression and demonstration. If we want to see the unity that is in heaven here on earth, First, we got to connect with the Spirit of God, right? That's the foundation of it. But it, it's us expressing it. It's us sharing it. Say with me, I am called to be the expression of unity. I am called to be the expression of unity. And the truth is, I could have put love in there. I could have put peace in there. I could have put joy in there. But today I'm talking about unity. So that's why I put unity in it. Like I said before, a lot of times we, we think as it is in heaven, we think of these signs and wonders and miracles. But like I said before, there's a unity in heaven that we have yet to taste. How many of you want to taste that? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Unity is a team effort. It requires mutual commitment. But the responsibility to express it begins with you. Unity is a team effort. Basically, it is impossible. It is impossible. It is impossible. Is it a bit of It is impossible to be in unity if it's not mutual. Impossible. That doesn't mean that you don't walk in love. I didn't say that. It doesn't mean that you, walk in that you don't walk in compassion. It doesn't mean that you don't walk in affection. 
It just means if you're going to be in unity, it's got to be mutual. What was that verse in Amos? And the funny thing is, I told my dad this the other day, is like, in all my years of preaching, I don't think I've ever used a scripture in Amos. How about that? I think I need to check some Amos out after this. So unity is a team effort. It requires mutual commitment. But the responsibility to express it begins with you. The truth is we can't wait on someone else to be the example of things that we desire. Well, I would love more if they were more loving. It makes total sense in your brain, doesn't it? I would do this if this. I would do this if this. But if we, if we desire unity, we have to be the expression of it. Remember what I said, the foundation of it is the Spirit of God. But we have to be the ones to express it. Does this make sense? That's one. You can't give, you can't give something you don't have, and that's why our first connection must be to the Spirit of God. You can't be loved to others unless you've received love. You can't be joy to others unless you've received joy. You can't walk in unity unless you receive the oneness of spirit in the spirit. Does this make sense? But for unity to be expressed, unity must begin with you. Unity begins with you. No, literally, it does. U N I T. Unity begins with you. Point to someone, point to the person beside you. Make sure everybody has a finger pointing back at you. At, make sure someone's pointing at you. And say it with me Unity, Unity. Begins, begins with you. And do you see how everybody got the finger pointed back at them? <laughs> See, that's what we like to do. It begins with you. Exactly, but it comes back, right? It comes back. Come on. I'll say it again. We can't wait for someone else to be the example of things we desire. If we desire it, we got to show it. But it can only come from the foundation of connection with the Spirit of God. Good stuff. Do you see the value of unity? Behold how good for you. How sweet and chocolatey and lovely <laughs> it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. That's exciting. It's good, it's pleasant. It's a testimony, and guess on top of that, God says that is where I'll grant blessing, I'll command blessing. Good stuff, man. So now I want to talk about the mentality of unity. What is the mindset of unity? Okay? What is the attitude of unity? Actually, you know what? 
Can you, it's on Pro Presenter, it's in the list. Can you just pull that up? Because I have a lot of scripture verses coming up. So people can visually see it. All right. So in Philippians 2, 1 through 5. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ. So Paul is starting this out is, what is the foundation of unity? The foundation of unity is connection with the Spirit of God. Therefore, if, any, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, where is he saying the sources? The Spirit of God. It's coming from the connection that we have with our Father. Then it goes on to say, if this is the reality that you walk in, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. So what is he saying? Because of the reality that you have with Holy Spirit, make my joy complete by being in unity and harmony with one another. And then he goes in and then he deals with mentalities or mindsets that are contrary to unity. Are you guys ready for this? No one is. Okay. <laughs> Do not out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Vain conceit just basically means self-importance. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So he says, the foundation of unity is our connection with the Spirit. And that is what actually causes us to be in unity. And then he outlines some mentalities or some attitudes that are contrary to the spirit of unity. So this is, this is where it gets really good. Okay, I'm just preparing you. Uh, but think of it like a shot in the arm. Like I remember when we had our babies at the doctors, and they think life is amazing. They, they think it's happening. And then the doctor blesses them with a shot. So that's kind of what this moment is. But listen, a shot the pain, it'll be over. Don't worry. It'll be quick. So I will say this, that I'm not addressing a situation in this house. I'm just making people aware of the strategies of the enemy. Okay? So when I talk about this, I'm not talking about any person in this house. Okay? But I'm talking about the strategies of the enemy. And actually, as I go through some of these, you'll see this in society. And so that you can be aware of what's actually happening behind the scenes with what the enemy's trying to do. All right. So Paul outlines the attitudes and mindsets that are contrary to unity. In Philippians 2, 3 through 4, this is out of the Passion. Be free from pride-filled opinions. Say with me, pride-filled opinions. For they only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility put, on, put others first and view others as more important than yourself. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others instead of your own interest. And actually, when I, when I, study, um, when I uh, study for a sermon, 
I look at a bunch of translations, and as I was looking at that, that phrase jumped out at me, pride-filled opinions. And God began to just release to me uh, just revelation on what that actually means. So I'm going to give those to you now. A pride-filled opinion is the overwhelming desire to prove that you are right at the expense of relationship. I'm going to say it again. A pride-filled opinion is the overwhelming desire to prove that you are right at the expense of relationship. A pride-filled opinion believes everybody should have the same opinion, and if they don't, they're either ignorant, uneducated, lacking revelation, or spiritual maturity. Actually, pride-filled opinions will, will cause you to judge those around you harshly. Pride-filled opinions will limit your perspective only to your position. I'm going to say that again. Pride-filled opinions limit your perspective only to your position. Do you remember when I talked about um, um, having two eyes and I used the example of um, what perspective is? Like you could be up on the mountain or you could be, both are true, but it's just where you're standing. And so sometimes we can be so full of pride that we can't see another person's perspective because it's only what we see. And both could be very true. Pride-filled opinions hinder our ability to empathize with someone else's perspective. You know, sometimes we feel if we empathize or have compassion or demonstrate some form of understanding, we, di we diminish the truth that we carry. Have you ever felt that? You don't have to raise your hand. But if I empathize or if I show understanding, they won't see how valuable my truth is that I'm trying to give them. But if we realize, if we do it from a place of empathy, if we do it from a place of compassion, if we do it from a place of understanding, then we open the door for trust, which then opens the door for influence. Does this make sense? A pitfall that I see a lot of believers fall into is they get a revelation from the Lord and then they think everybody around them has to have that same exact revelation. Rather than allowing that revelation to be so formed in them that it actually becomes a part of who they are and then from that place they transform the world around them because they're actually walking out or living the revelation. And the funny thing about it is, how long did it take you to get that revelation? Oh, 37 years. Okay, let's give some people a break, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? The people around you have little interest in you being right. This is going a lot better than I thought. The people around you have very little interest in you being right. Do you think my kids care if I'm right? No. They'll actually tell me what they think. But what do they want from me? They want love. They want affection. They want understanding. And then from that place, I can present truth. Does this make sense? And those around us desire the same thing, respect, 
compassion, understanding, and love. And from that place of trust, influence can begin. Like I said, people around you have very little interest in you being right. They just want to be respected. They want to be loved. They want understanding. Not always easy, right? I'm sure all of us can relate to these things in some way, right? I'm not saying that the truth that you carry isn't important or the conviction isn't valid. But if we want to have true impact on the world around us, we must, a world around us, we have to do it from a place of respect, compassion, understanding, and love. What is Paul dealing with? These are mindsets that are adversaries to unity. Pride-filled opinions. A pride-filled opinion is the overwhelming desire to prove that you are right at the expense of relationship. A pride-filled opinion believes everybody should have the same opinion, and if they don't, they're either ignorant, uneducated, lacking revelation, and spiritual maturity. Pride-filled opinions will judge those around you harshly. Pride-filled opinions limit your perspective only to your position, etc., etc., etc. We've all been there, right? You can see this theme throughout Scripture. Self-preservation, self-seeking, and pride are the attitudes we have to confront in ourselves if we're going to walk in unity. Now, I want you to get this. Unity requires a new way of thinking about yourself. If we're going to walk in divine unity, we have to think of ourselves in a different way. Because what is, the, what is the enemy of unity? Self-preservation, self-seeking, pride, self-promotion. Are you guys with me? Good stuff. I guess uh, I went to the dentist the other day, and they gave me Novocaine. And as they gave it to me, I'm, you know, they put that stuff in your mouth to make it numb so that when they stick you. I was like, great, you know. Uh, so they put it in, and I'm thinking, they're in there a long time. And she's moving around. I'm thinking, that's kind of what this moment is right now. <laughs> I said it was going to be quick, but I'm seeing some other areas that are, all right. Unity. <laughs> Unity requires a new way of thinking about yourself. <laughs> Philippians 2.4, not looking at your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Philippians 2.4. Unity is the ability to see what is best for the whole, not just what meets your own need. Let's say I had this vision to have a pool in my backyard, which would not be reality because my backyard is that big. But let's say I did, and I go up to Reuben, and I say, Reuben, I like a pool in my backyard. Yeah. Yeah? And so I begin to talk to him about this need and encourage him to, you know, maybe you should be in the pool business as well. 
And then I could get real spiritual. You know, an eagle needs a place to land. <laughs> now, that, that's a funny example. But sometimes that happens. We're thinking of the, the need that we have, so we try to manipulate to get our need met. And guess what? It might not be good for his business at all. Think of the financial investment, the time, the training, all that, because I want a pool in my backyard. Does this make sense? And like I said, I can make it sound real spiritual. Reuben's mature enough to be like, get out of here. <laughs> He's like, yeah. If your idea is good enough, if your idea is good enough, then it's worth the sacrifice for it. See, a lot of times, it can be easy originating ideas. But if it's worth your sacrifice, then it might be a good idea. Does this make sense? If an idea is good enough, it's worth the work to put into it. Philippians 2.3, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit through factional motives or strife. This is out of the Amplified. But with the attitude of humility, being neither arrogant or self-righteous, regard others as more important than yourself. So remember, Paul is confronting the, the mindsets or the attitudes that hinder unity. And in the Amplified, it points out factional motives. What is a faction? It's a party or a group that often is argumentative or self-seeking. It's a party spirit, especially when marked by dissension. If you want to know what I'm talking about, go on the Internet, okay? Everybody has their tribe. Everybody has their opinion. Everybody has their point of view. And if you don't align, you will get attacked, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell in unity. I'm talking about this house. So if we're going to walk in unity, factions are not beneficial. Factions unify around a perceived issue or perceived problem. But guess what? If that issue never gets resolved, then what do they rally behind? Offense. So the question that I have for everybody here is what unifies your relationships? Is it party? Political party, I mean. Not like, hey, let's party. <laughs> is it offense? Is it frustration? Wow. Is it issues? Is it problems? What unifies our relationships? Is it love? Is it compassion? Is it grace? Is it affection? Is it encouragement? Behold how good and how pleasant. It's funny, you go on, you go on like social media and they'll be like, how many, ever, 
about every week someone says, I'm taking a break from uh, social media. I'm taking a break. Because it can be toxic. And I'm not just talking about social media. It can be prevalent in, in households. Behold how good and how pleasant it is. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Well, I thought it was over, but it kept on going and going and going. Let me just address this because I think it needs to be said. Not, not just for the people here, but so that we can see what the enemy's trying to do. One of the first signs that you are unwilling to understand someone else's position, perspective, is to call them names. And name-calling is basically classifying them because of their opinion. If we want to be a unified body, we have to stop name-calling. That, that bothers me. Name-calling is just classifying people so that you can ultimately dismiss their opinion. Well, they're just dumb. What is that saying? Their point is not valid. Oh, they're just legalistic. Oh, they're just controlling. They're just immature. They're undisciplined. They're uneducated. They're not perfected in love. They're under the law, etc., etc., etc. Religious name-calling undermines unity. Anytime that you want to feel a name come up inside of you, stop. Like I said, I'm not just talking, I'm talking to, I'm speaking to the atmosphere. All these names might have an element of truth, but if we want true unity, we have to stop name calling in the body of Christ. When we classify people by name calling, we're basically saying their value is centered around the opinion that they hold. And name-calling is just an excuse not to walk in love, compassion, empathy, understanding, and wisdom. Ephesians 4.2, always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Come on. Why can we give allowance for other people's faults? Like someone's, that was you, Pat. Okay, that's, that could be Grammy. Hey, it could be Grammy. Who knows? She'd be like, how's church going? So making allowance for each other's faults because of what? Because they adjusted their attitude? Because they have a different opinion? Because they think the way that I do? Because of your love. Do you guys see that? Unity and maturity are tied together. You can also see that in Romans 15. The reason I'm pausing is because I'm skipping stuff. Thank you, Father. All right. All right, I'm going to jump to the end. Hallelujah. Glory be to. 
All right, so if we're going to walk in unity with one another, we first must humble ourselves. Philippians 2.5, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset of, as Christ. In the, tra- the Passion Translation, and consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. The attitude or the mentality of unity is humility. Oh, thank you, Jesus. So in Philippians 2.6, this is where actually Paul describes the mindset of Christ. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. And at that name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So in summary, Jesus humbled himself. He became a servant. Even to the place where he submitted his will to the Father, even unto death. And as a result... Father God exalted him to the highest place. Jesus teaches this same truth to his disciples, Matthew 20, 25 through 28. But Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are, are great exercise authority over them. Then he says this, yet it shall not be among you. What is he saying? There's a new way of thinking about power, of leadership and greatness. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So like I said, Jesus is presenting a new way of thinking, a new way of modeling power, greatness, and leadership. Now, if you've been in this church long enough, you know that every single person in this room is a leader. If you have any form of influence of any kind, you have the ability to lead people. Any place where you hold influence, you are positioned to lead. How many of you are believers? How many of you are the light of the world? Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. This is Jesus speaking. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Behold how good and how pleasant it is. So who who is he speaking to? You are the light of the world, but what cannot be hidden? A city. How do we make a city bright? We serve others. Thank you, Father. Psalms 133.1. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for for brethren to dwell together in unity. So if we're going to walk in unity, we have to reject the attitude of pride, selfish ambition, self-seeking, self-importance, self-preservation, and to take on the attitude of humility to be one with the Spirit of God, to surrender to the Father's will, to seek to model a new way of power, greatness, and leadership to serve others. That's the abbreviated version.
Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Father. Lord, I just thank you for your goodness and your mercy. And Lord, I thank you. By your spirit, we can walk in humility. By your spirit, we can lead those around us in love and compassion and grace. Father, forgive us when we have allowed pride-filled opinions to separate relationships, those that you have called us to do life with. Set us free from all the bondage of pride and arrogance. Send forth your grace to enable us to live in unity with those around us. Empower us to love you. Empower us to love as you love, to serve as you serve, to give as you have freely given. Unify us with your love, God. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just open our hearts right now just to receive the fullness of, Lord, what you uh, revealed today, God. That this is a house of love. It's, it's a house of validation. It's a house of unity. And, Lord, I just decree that this place would be known not by just the things that we do, but, but by our love for one another. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Let our love for one another be the sound that resonates. Let's say that together. Let our love on another be the sound that resonates. Thank you, Father. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. If we could have the healing teams come up. Is there any words of knowledge? I just hear bones and the other thing was bladder issues. I had backs. Okay. Well, Lord, uh, you guys are dismissed. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. And if that's you, come up. Or if you just want prayer, just come up. And we'd love to pray and lay hands on you. All right. You guys are dismissed.